0: So Psalm 95 is where we'll be, and as we go, I'm going to restart reading through this passage, and then we'll walk through it. So Psalm 95, it starts out with this wonderful invitation, okay? Oh come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise unto the rock of our salvation. Now, I know it's bad that sometimes we don't know what this, like, joyful, loud noise of singing is, because sometimes, like, our soul is maybe not this, it's from this thing, but this is the invitation, That's like, Come and sing unto God. Give praises to God. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with songs. And then he gives us an inspiration about who God is. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land. O oh, come, let us worship him, bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. And here he gives this warning. He says, this is who God is, and I want to stop and I want to warn you about something. And he says, verse 9, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work, Forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said, it is a people that do err in their heart and they have not known my ways. On whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Psalm 95, let's pray and then let's walk through it this morning. Dearly Father, God, I thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the opportunity again, as we said before, to stop in your house. But we do thank you that we have the freedom to do it. God, I thank you that we have the ability to make it here in our cards, and Lord, you provided everything that we need to be in this moment right now. So God, I pray that you still our hearts, focus on your word, and Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would reign in this service, Lord, and that we would know your word, Lord, as I tried to my best ability to speak it. So God, we need your help, so we ask for it again in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we walk through Psalm 95, we've read through, and as we walk through this song really quickly, I want us to just go through and just begin to ask ourselves this question. Like, you remember those moments when you first got saved and like everything into you in the new and the Christian life was like so new and fresh. and I mean, everything was exciting. It's like the pastor can pretty much get up and read the ABCs and you'd be like, hey, man, thank you, preacher. I needed that because like right where you were, like everything just sitting in God's house was like exciting to you. And we come to Psalm 95. We ask ourselves this question when we read the first couple of verses. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalm. And I have to ask myself, do I still have this attitude of wonder when it comes to the things of God? When the psalmist calls out this invitation, it says, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Can I ask you this? Like, did your heart still sing and praise to God. As we walk through the Christmas story in our Sunday school class, I think I told you guys uh during now one time what we were studying, but when you read through the Christmas story, we're not that far out of it. Almost everybody in the Christmas story, when they hear the good news of Jesus' birth, they all break out into some kind of praise. Like, I don't know if they all can sing good. I don't know if Simeon could sing, like old Simeon, who's like, now let thy servant die in peace. And he begins to sing. I don't know what, but all of them break out in a praise to God because of what God is happening. When was the last time, as the psalmist says, and he brings the invitation, come let us sing unto God. When was the, uh, I'm going to pause Siri up here because she's talking to herself. She's preaching her own message up there. So, but um, but as we start thinking through this, when was the last time I, us as a church, were like taken in by the praise of God? In 2019, How many times were God's praises on the tip of my tongue? Because so many times the complaints to God are on the tip of my tongue. (laughs) I'll run to him in prayer. Lord, you know, life is not going the way I want it to go. Lord, you know. But how many times has his praise been that invitation to come, let us sing? Now, I know sometimes Sunday mornings for some of us are early. Okay, Some of us, they're late. But for some of us, they're early. And to walk in the auditorium and open up a hymnal, it's like, we did this around 6 o'clock tonight, I'd be ready to sing. But what about in our everyday life, as I look at this, do I still have this awe and wonder when Mary hears that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah? She breaks out into praise. God, I thank you that you look upon the lowly. You've taken up your handmaiden and you've made her something. When uh, when the shepherds, let's get up and go see the great thing. The angels from heaven who come down, who literally sit in the presence of God. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Like Zacharias, the man who couldn't talk for a long time. And we joked in Sunday school, he hasn't been able to talk for a long time when John said, the angel said, John, you're going to have a baby. I don't believe that. OK, well, you just shut your mouth until it comes. And so John is not able to talk. But even John, as soon as he's able to talk, he takes his little scratch pad and writes his name is John. And God opens his mouth. He breaks out into a little song like hmm, I've been working on this. For, I've got this tune going on my head for a long time. I can't wait to get it out. Are we still have the amazement and the wonder of who God is? And he goes on, he says uh, in the next, I mean, in the same verse, verse two. Oh, come and I'm mean, verse 96. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with songs. Do I still have this awe and wonder of God that his presence is still a wonderful thing? Is God's voice to us kind of like the voice when you're in school and you had to go to the principal's office? It's like, you're going to the principal's office. I don't know anybody who got from the desk and like, yes, it's about time. I've been wanting to talk to them. Like, usually it's a negative thing. Or is it like a parent, when a parent calls your full name, their presence is not right now desired. But he says, I still come into God's presence with thanksgiving. That God should love a sinner such as I. That I can come into God's presence. He says, I'm so. Thankful for that opportunity. When you start thinking about Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve, first man, first woman in the Garden of Eden, and God used to come and talk with them every day. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Like at the end of your day, Eve, we got to get ready. God's coming. He's going to come and talk with us. I love it when God comes and talks. Oh, man, God, I was walking through today. This is what was happening. Yeah. Those animals, I still have a name for that weird thing, but Lord, it's like, I'm just glad that you're here. Lord, you know what Eve did today? Eve, Adam, Lord, you know this Adam, my husband, and just walking through and having this conversation with God. But you notice how quickly it changed after they sinned. The moment that they waited for so much now became the moment they dreaded. God's coming. What are we going to do? Grab some leaves, sew them up, hide, God's coming. And all of a sudden, what was such a sweet, special time becomes the thing I dread the most. And as we look into the New Year, can I ask us, do we still have this awe and this wonder of who God is? This attitude that just says, wow, God, I am so glad for who you are. God, I am so glad that I have the opportunity to come into your presence. God, I am so glad that I have the opportunity to come boldly into the throne of grace and ask for help. Or has it gotten to the point where it's like, time with God? Well, I haven't done anything wrong, I don't think. Time with God? What does God want me to do now? I'm trying to do everything I can. And as we walk into Psalm 95, we have this invitation to come and worship God for who he is to still see him, to be able to sing his praises. And it, I know, okay, it it may be because I'm black, but sometimes it can stir up in our hearts and make us move a little bit that God is so wonderful. And as we walk into a new year, can I ask, like, do we still have that attitude of wonder? Can it still be said to us? let us sing unto the Lord. Man, I love, especially now that I got a new Bible. No, I love coming into God's presence. It's a moment that I treasure. This is Adam and Eve would have treasured God coming down to earth and walking with them and talking with them. This is such an opportunity. And the psalmist says, just letting you know, when I start thinking about the Lord, I get excited. I just love it. Like, I come before his presence, like, when I have the opportunity, I just think about, wow, Lord, I'm so thankful you let me come into your presence. Wow, Lord, I thank you that you let me to have this opportunity. And it goes on in in verse number three, and he says, why should we be so excited? For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. As he walks through, he says, you know why I get excited? It's, I get excited because he is the God of all kings. So not only says, hey, we got this invitation. Come sing. Do I still have that wonder? The attitude of wonder. Well, let me do this. Do I have, in this act of this invitation, do I still have an awe of worship for who God is? See, in our culture today, like we read gods in the Old Testament, we we, we really don't even think about having problem with those, right? Like we think about like Ashtoreth, Baal, and all these other gods that they have in the Old Testament. And we're like, huh, that's so dumb. Why in the world would somebody take a brick and like hew it out or somebody cut some wood up and say, this be the God. Like literally when the children of Israel make the golden calf and they go and build it and like some of the, the dumbest words, and I don't say this because the Bible the dumbest words, but the dumbest words people have ever spoke in the Bible is when they make the golden calf and they say, here Israel, this be the God that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Like, could it be like, whoa, I need to grab those words back. I, I did not mean that. But we do the same. And the reason sometimes we do not feel that praise, that excitement that comes with knowing God and being in his presence is because we haven't seen him as the great God of all gods. We have a lot of, once again, we talk about him, we have idols in our own lives. The things that bring us joy, the things that our hearts seek after, they're not God. And so sometimes the king of kings that sits on the throne in Isaiah chapter 6, and the angels go around his throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. That God is pushed aside for my random earthly desires that really have nothing to do with anything. When you think about Elijah, and Elijah calling fire down from heaven. And you remember in that story as Baal standing there, the prophets of Baal are over there, and they are trying to get Baal to bring down fire from heaven. They're cutting themselves. They're dancing. They're doing all kinds of crazy things to try and get fire come down from heaven. And Elijah, being the good preacher that he is, begins to make fun of them. Your God's asleep. Louder, louder, louder. Get louder, guys. I don't think he can hear you. Uh, he's on vacation, guys. You're getting that bounce-back response from his email. He's on vacation. Hey, guys, maybe you step out to use the restroom. Give him a little time. He'll be right back with you. And as he makes fun of them and nothing happens, we would look at it and say, what a ludicrous thing. But what about our hearts? We could almost hear Elijah say, that paycheck that you live for, It's not going to fulfill your needs. It may be on vacation. The relationships that you live for, that like in your heart, this is what you pursue more than you pursue God's throne. Hey, I'm just letting you know. It's not going to fulfill it. And he can go through all the desires of our hearts. What we spend the most time on. Where our hearts run to when there's nothing else to think about. And we can stand with we can hear Elijah's voice making fun of those things and saying, hey, they will never, ever, ever fulfill what the God who sits down on the throne can do. But he's not praiseworthy because, I mean, he's God. He loves me. But he is the God above all gods. Do I still have that awe of worship? That as Elijah comes over and he prays on his altar and all of a sudden fire comes down from heaven and consumes the sacrifice, the rocks, the water, probably all the ground around it. And as all these things happen, everybody stands back and says, there is a God in heaven because he is king above all kings. And David in Psalm 95 says, I just want to pause and just think about this. Do I still have that awe and reverence of who God is? And this is what we were talking about in Sunday school for the, the, um, for the angels. Like when the angels come down and talk to the shepherds, these are the angels who sit in the presence of God. And as they sit in the presence of God, they come down and tell the shepherds, glory to God in the highest. And when the Angels are saying it from coming from heaven. They're not saying glory to God in the highest because that's what they were supposed to say in the Christmas play. They are coming down from heaven's throne, having seen God high and lifted up. And they speak to these these shepherds and they say, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. That peace that Adam and Eve were looking for after they sinned, that peace has come in Christmas and goodwill toward men and kindness like men have never known because they knew who God was. That he wrapped himself in flesh and came was a humongous deed. And as we start looking at Psalm 95, he says, hey, do you still have that awe? And he goes on, he says in verse number four, in his hand, in his hand, get that, like it's singular, in his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills also. So he begins to describe who God is. He says, Hey, all the deepest spots of the earth, God holds them in his hand. The strength of the hills, the highest peaks, he's got those under control too. He goes on, verse number five the sea is his, and he made it, and his hand formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Do you still have that awe of worship when you see the things that God's hands have made? Like when you begin to see. Like I have this quote because this is, like I put it here because I wanted to read it. But Paul Tripp says in his book, Awe, and he's talking about how when we look around the world, God has put everything around us so that we can see him. So I want you to listen to this real quick. It says, the earthly father is a God-given mnemonic device to remind us of the glory of the heavenly father. The shepherd is a mnemonic device to remind us of God's care for his own. The snow, much as I don't like it, is meant to remind us of the Lord's purity and holiness. The storm is a mnemonic device to remind us of God's power and wrath. The daily rising of sun is a mnemonic device to remind me of God's faithfulness. We're literally surrounded by the gracious reminders of the presence power and authority and character of God because he designed, created things to function mnemonically. He knows how quickly and easily we forget and how vital it is for us to remember. So he embedded reminders everywhere we look in his creation. And when we start thinking about this. Is This is what the psalmist says. He says, hey, the God of heaven, who holds the deepest parts of the earth in his hands, the highest parts of the heavens, he holds it in his hands. We come down and we kneel before the Lord, our maker. And I have to say, do I still have all of what God has created in this world? Like, This is me, okay? So this is, hold on, this is not Bible just for a little bit. This is just me because I enjoy the outdoors. But even like for you guys who hunt and stuff, like some of you guys who hunt, I don't hunt. I shoot things with my camera, but that's about the limit of it because I don't have to carry it back and skin it and like pull out his guts. And so it's a lot easier just to be like, click, put it on my phone and move on. So, but... When we start thinking of this, like sometimes when guys who are hunting, like they sit out and they take a picture and they're like, I'm enjoying God's creation. What a beautiful thing to sit and see God, what God has formed with his own hands, and to admire and remember there is a God in heaven. Now, let me pause for just a second here, okay? So, when we start thinking about this, can I say the people who are environmentalists, us as conservative Republicans or whatever you want to call us, we're conservative the environmentalists. Can I say, it is a sad thing when the environments care more about God's creation than we do? When they get up in arms more about God's creation than we do? Then when we look at all the beautiful things that God has made and there should be something the psalmist says that wells up into my heart and says, wow, come, let us kneel down before the Lord because of what he's done with his hands? Do I still have that awe of worship? He's a God who sits in heaven. He's a God Who holds this world in his hands, and he goes on and says, Who is our Maker? Can I ask you this? Do you still have the awe of what he's doing in your life? The Maker making you. The things he's taking you through, the things he's transforming you into. Do you still have all of that? You remember when you first got saved? And whatever God did in your life, you heard a preaching message. Somebody preached something and you were like, I need to go down and get that right right now. Preacher wasn't even preaching about it. But then there comes the point where it's like, Lord, I think you're done. I hope you're done transforming me and conforming me into your image. Or am I still in awe? Do I still come and kneel before the Lord, our maker, and just say, God, I thank you for sitting on the throne high and lifted up. I thank you for the creation. I thank you for being able to see the flowers that grow, the six-sided snowflake that nobody pays attention to. I am thankful for all of it. But Lord, I am really thankful for what you're doing in me. 2019 may not have been the best year for all of us. Some of us, we were joking today, we were, in um, Sunday school, we were writing letters to our future selves, uh, and uh, we'll mail them out, and our future selves will forget that we broke them. But as we were walking through, like, We were joking because when I said in 2019, the worst part of 2019 or something to that effect was. And for some of them, like the pen just like took off, writing. Because 2019 wasn't the best year. And some of them looked at me like, wait, was pretty good. I don't think there's anything in. But whatever 2019 brought you, are you still in awe and worship of what God's not just doing out there on a beautiful sunny day? when everything's just like perfect, but what he's doing to you in your everyday life, does that still make you, Lord, it wasn't what I would have played? I'm still in awe of what you're doing in my life, how you're taking those edges off and you're polishing them. And as Job said, when I'm tried, I'll come forth as gold. Are you still in awe of this. And as he walks through Psalm 95, he says, hey, come let us sing. I want this invitation that you can sing, but I want you your inspiration to know that who God is. And do you still have that awe of worship for him? But he goes on, Psalm 95, and it comes to verse number 8. End of verse number 7. Today, if you will hear his voice, verse 8, harden not your heart as in the provocation, as in the days of temptation in the wilderness. And so he, now he says, Hold on. You got the invitation. Here's inspiration of who God is. But I want to give you an illustration. And here's the illustration. The children of Israel and the provocation. And my question would be, are you still attentive to God's warnings? Are you still attentive to God's warnings? He goes on. He says, today, if you hear God's voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation." As in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my word. He says, hard not your heart. Now, as we look at those words, it doesn't jump right off the page what he's talking about, if we're not familiar with Psalm 95. In Psalm 95, it's talking about Meribah and Massa. Like, this is the place where, if you remember, the children of Israel wanted one. And just like always, like we say we're not the children of Israel, just like us, the children of Israel... Are complaint, Moses. We're so thirsty, Moses. We're gonna die. I can't believe that God. It's like sometimes sounds like children. No, I'm just kidding. We're gonna die. We're not gonna be able to make it, Moses. Why did God bring us all the way out of Egypt to kill us? It's like, wait a second. You remember when He provided food? You remember all? You remember when you literally walked across the Red Sea on dry land? Nope. Don't remember all those. I just know right now I'm thirsty and we're about to die. In that moment, God was fed up with Israel. Like, I don't think God has a bad day at all, but they made it a bad day. And God was done. God looked at Moses and said, Moses, I'll make a people out of you, and I'll kill every one of them here in the wilderness. And Moses runs and jumps on his face before God. He says, God, God. Please do not do this, God. Please do not take these people, because God, there is enemies that are looking. They'll say, "Why did you bring them out of Egypt just to kill them in the in the wilderness? Why did this happen?" And God was done. And there are moments in our our family where we look back on it and we laugh, like, "Oh, do you remember when something such up such happened? Do you remember that mac and cheese time?" Uh, yeah, yeah, we know about it. Huh? And there are moments in our family where nobody laughs when it's brought up you remember that car? We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. Do you remember? This is one of those times. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart in the provocation. Now, for us, it's like provocation. For them, it's like, oh, yeah, when God almost killed everybody. And it was over because we had complained one too many times. And the children of Israel stopped and they said, OK, we hear you, David. And he goes on, he says, this is why God got so upset. And this is, wow. If we look at this, this is why God got so upset. Verse uh, verse number eight, I mean verse number nine. When your fathers tempted me, he goes on, proved me and saw my works. He says, hey, when your fathers tempted me, instead of praying and asking me for water, they provoked me. Where's God? I'm thirsty. Where's God? Never once did they stop and ask God, God, would you please provide the same way you provided before? They provoked him. Where in the world are you, God? You brought us out here. We're thirsty. He says, they tested me. They tempted me. He goes on um, verse number eight. He says, when your father's tempted me, they proved me. He says, instead of trusting me, that I would provide like I always had, they put me on trial. God, you deliver us out of Egypt to do what? Let us die right here? God, you've done so many other things in my life. Lord, in this, can you show yourself mighty one more time? God, this is your fault. We're trying to live out here. We're trying to do what you told us, and you brought us along. They said so they saw my work. They said so they saw what I did and they went the own way. Over and over and over and over and I won't keep doing that but they saw God's goodness. And they did nothing with it. God says I showed you my words so many times. You did nothing. With it. And this is these are some of the saddest words in the Bible. Verse number 10. 40 years long, this is God talking, was I grieved with this generation and said, it is a people that do err in their heart and they have not known my ways. Can you imagine your life being described by God like that? Your name. 40 years I was they turned my stomach I was done can you imagine your life being characterized by that and it's because they saw God work I saw him do it over and over and over again I heard his voice I heard what he told me to do and I didn't do it and I went my own way and went my own direction this is what God says. I was grieved with them for 40 years. And he keeps going. And it is a people that do err in their heart. Their hearts are not right and they have not known my ways. They saw them, but they did not know them. They did not comprehend what God was doing. And he goes on, he says, verse 11, unto my swear in my wrath, they should not enter into my rest. We talked about what it is, like, earlier, right? To have Adam and Eve walking and talking with God in that relationship. Like, it would be a wonderful thing to see. Like, God and Adam and Eve talking. Oh, man, God, it's been a great day. All these wonderful things are happening. God, thank you so much for coming to talk with us today. It's been time. But what does the reverse look like? What is the reverse when for 40 years God is grieved? And to see God look at his people and say, I swear unto you, you will never know rest. You will never know peace because you wanted it. And I'm giving you exactly what you want. Like, that would be like the scariest moment ever in the word of God. That God would say, hey, you wanted your own way. I gave you water. Moses walks up and he hits a rock and water poured into the rock so everybody can drink. And like, that would have been a sight. Everybody drinks. And they go back and do their own way. It's about time God gave us water. And God says, I swear to you, you will never know peace. You will never know my peace. And David warns him. He says, hey, do you still get attention to God's warnings? You remember the provocation? Do you remember that? Do you remember Meribah? Do you remember when God showed you his ways over and over and over again? He kept providing for you over and over and over again, and you kept going the opposite direction and doing exactly what you wanted. Do you remember that? Do you remember when God said, I swear to you, you will never know rest? And he says, are you listening to his warnings? Are you hearing God when he speaks? Like, don't go your own way. And so in Psalm 95, we come to this spot where we are given this wonderful picture of worship. But we stop with this warning that is, oh, come, let us sing. And it ends with, you will never know rest. But then we begin to ask ourselves, Before we get down to that spot, do I still have that attitude of wonder at who God is? Do the world's songs rejoice my heart more than God's? Do the tunes of my heart and my desires speak to my heart way more than the praises of my Savior? Says, am I still in wonder that attitude of wonder let us sing I love coming to your presence because it's wonderful God. do I still have that awe of worship that God is sitting on his throne in heaven and as he sits on the throne in heaven he is above all things and everything in my life that I put up on the same pedestal as him I can hear Elijah's voice yelling and saying it's never going to work but I am reminded by all his creation and all the things that he made with his hands, whether it be the lowest part of the earth or the highest mountain, I see it, he made it, it is his. And I come and kneel down and bow before the Lord, my maker, because I am not only in awe and worship of what he's done around me, but I'm awe of worship of what he's doing in me right now. It's not what I want all the time. But what I think is what you're doing. <laughs> Thanks for where you put me. God, thank you for, I'm still in the you. And then it's like, David says, wait, I just want to make sure we end on one thing. I just, I need to be honest with you. The question is, are you still attentive to God's warnings? If you hear his voice, are you still listening? When God tells you, does this still stir your heart? There used to be a day when God's word would fall in your heart and it would fall on good ground. and it, it caused me to change. But not so much anymore. I hear his words. (laughs) Glad you finally paid that bill, God. (laughs) I've been waiting for it. Glad you finally did this, God. Man, I just, instead of, Lord, I'm going to trust you, I'm not going to put you on trial. If you choose never to give me another thing, like Job said, naked came I out of the mother's womb, naked I return thither. the Lord gave, the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job said not no charge God. God. I'm not putting you on trial, I'm trusting. You. God, I'm not just going to tell you who you are. God, I'm going to stop and listen. Because it would be a sad day to know that any of us, our lives were characterized by and they grieved God. They grieved God. To stand in his presence, in God, Well done, well done. Wow. Wow. You never knew my peace. And the sad part of it is, God wanted to give it. God wanted to give it. How often does it make God look when water comes out of a rock? God wants to how awesome is it when God sends so much food that the children of Israel literally have to just reach out their hand and grab birds and cook them and eat them? And God's like, I want to do these things for you. But you don't listen anymore. When I warn you, you go your own way. God says, that person who goes their own way, they will never, ever, ever know my God they will never know what the goodness is because they chose it and God says, I gave it to you. You'll never know. And Psalm 95 is, I would say, at least as I've read through, like it's the perfect passage for us to stop and think about as we go into a new year. Like once again, whether we're New Year's resolution people or not. To stop and think, to give myself a checkup and say, God, Are we good? Are we good? Am I listening to you? Am I still loving you? Is this, this relationship still right where it should be? I think it's not somebody asked at the end of the year. We've asked it in uh, every week, every day. Lord, is this still good? And as we start looking at it, Psalm 95 paints this beautiful picture of what it is to serve the God of heaven. But it paints a terrible picture of what it is to ignore him and to go the so well, as we start and as we leave the service, we end on Psalm 95. And we ask this just questions. Are we where we need to be with God? Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm not necessarily going to have them come forward. If you want to come forward, hey, if the Spirit speaks, you come forward, please. Don't You just bypass everything Aaron Burden says and you come right up to the front. But if you want to sit where you're at and what's going on, I've asked Pastor Tomah to sing Song that I think fits great with Psalm 95 is "How Great Thou Art," and so we'll sing through the verses of uh, the verses of "How Great Thou Art." And as we sing through it, the Lord works in your heart while we're uh, standing and singing. Hey, sit down, do whatever you need to do, do business with God. But ask yourself the question: Are you in God good? Are you in God good? And if so, let's walk into in the new year with nothing between my soul and the Savior.